Welcome to the official podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel Indy West. Our desire is to make authentic disciples of Christ who worship Him, walk with Him, and work for Him. You can find more information about Harvest by visiting our website at www.harvestindywest.org or by downloading our app from your app store. We pray today's podcast will encourage your pursuit of Jesus Christ. Good morning. I love your accent. <laughs> so great to be here with you all. I'm thankful for um, going back and forth a little bit over in my mind about what to call it. Some of you call it partnership, which sounds very formal partnership for a um, friendship. Nice. Let's all shake hands. More family-ship, I think, is more of what we're talking about in terms of the relationship between our churches. So blessed uh, by that. Personally, uh, myself and Allison are so blessed by uh, Doug and Karen and uh, the deep friendship he's given us with them. Uh, so thankful for all the different ways they've found to encourage us over the last nine years, not just on that first trip that was much needed when they came to us, um, but not just for us, but for our church family. You should know the deep affection that they have for uh, both Doug and Karen. And um, I would say, if you were to come and visit some of, uh, come and visit us in Glasgow, I know some of you have done that and some of you are planning to come back and do it at some point. Um, We've got a couple of teams coming out later on this year. Um, if you were to speak to folks about Doug uh, and his preaching in Glasgow, I think people would point to um, at least a couple of his messages as being amongst the most significant messages for them personally. They've heard, I regularly hear that, and it's a regular reference point. Um, if you speak to any of the guys who were around in that first trip and you say the word betray yourself, our guys are going to say, yeah, we know. Um, <laughs> we'll, yeah, I'm longing to live that. Uh, so if you don't know what that means, and I'm sure Doug will be very happy to explain that to your husbands um, if he hasn't already done that. Um, but so thankful for that, so thankful for this week, and people have been so kind to Steve, who's one of our elders he's visiting with, uh, with me. I think he's spending some time with some of your folks uh, this morning out and about in the building. Um, but so thankful for how kind folks have been. I, I try to think, how can we say thank you? Probably the best way is to open God's Word together and for us to spend some time in there and for me to uh, try and... Um, be an encouragement to you in that regard. So let's turn to Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 and 7. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to read, and then we'll pray, and then we'll think about what God has to say to us from these things. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful to you for what we've just sung to you and about you, about how great you are, that you are holy and you are marvelous. Father, we pray that the reminder of those things in the songs we've sung, the reminder of what you've done, through, to, done for us in and through Jesus, that those things would cause us now as we turn to your word to, to long to place ourselves under that, to receive from it all that you have for us, to be transformed by it in the way that you design and desire for us. Father, we pray that you would find in this room uh, an attitude of just the deepest surrender to you as Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, a couple of questions to start us off. Um, I wonder, what kind, of what kind of follower of Jesus Christ do you want to be? What kind of follower of Jesus Christ do you want to be? And maybe by extension of that, what kind of church do you want to belong to? 
So what kind of follower of Jesus do you want to be? What kind of church do you want to belong to? So after 10 years of, 10 years in from planting the church and having spent a lot of time um, in our church and seeing people come and sometimes go as well from our church and visiting churches like yours here and other places as well, this much I know, the sort of church comes about from the sort of people. The sort of church comes about by the sort of followers of Jesus Christ you find there. So the question is, is this what kind of follower of Jesus do you want to be? And if you look at the Gospels, if you were to spend some time in the Gospels and you see Jesus walking around, spending time ministering to people, teaching and investing and pouring out his life, ultimately and eventually pouring his life out on the cross for us, you see two different kinds of people there. You see the people who leaned in and pursued him and pressed in to know him, and then you find the people who followed at a distance, who were, let's see how this works out. Let's see how it goes. wonder which one you are right now. Are you the person who's following at a distance? Yeah, let's see, let's, let's see how this works out. Are you the person who's passionately pursuing him, leaning in with all that you have? Colossians 2 has something to say about, that, say, say about all of that for us. There's an encouragement here for us to be the person who's pressing in and pursuing him and leaning in and to reject and to uh, rejoin him if we're following at a distance, to draw close to him and receive from him all that he has for us. So what kind of follower of Jesus Christ do you want to be? It starts off by saying, as you received uh, Christ Jesus, the Lord. So the question is, have you done that? Have you received Christ Jesus as Lord? Is, do you understand what it means to have, have him as Lord of your life? Is he first and is he greatest and is he highest and is it evident? Because that's important. You can talk the talk. You say, yes, he's first. Yes, he's greatest. Yes, he's highest. We can sing these songs, but is it evident? Is it a tangible reality in your everyday life? Is it making a difference to how you live your life? as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, if you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, if that's the reality in your life, what are you going to do about it? Because if you know who Jesus is and what he has done, that is, that's key information, okay? That's the key information piece, who Jesus is and what he has done. If you call him Lord, well, that's the significant implication. And the encouragement in that little phrase is to, to live the implications that flow from the information. If Jesus Christ is who he said he is, and we believe he is, then what kind of life are you going to live in light of that? How are you going to respond to all that he is? See, when I receive him as Lord, I rescind my claim to being Lord. When I understand that he is Lord, he is greatest, and he is highest, and he is best and most worthy, when I understand that he is both worthy and worth it, then that makes a difference to how I live my life every single day. It makes me long to follow him with all that I am and all that I have. When I receive him as Lord, I rescind my claim to being Lord of my own life. The word received is a great word because it describes to join yourself to something. It describes joining yourself to something. It's you're fastening yourself to that. 
You know, that way, when you've got, if you've got, we've got four kids, and when they were little, they used to play this game. Our youngest Ben is, he's a scrapper. We call him Scrappy-Doo. Do you know that? Remember that cartoon? You had that, you right? It's an American cartoon. And like, we would, he'd, he'd like to just hang onto my leg, and he'd be like that, clinging to me. Dad, dad, dad. I'm going, get off, get off, get off. But there's that, there, but there's that he just wanted to attach himself to my leg and just follow me wherever I went. That's what we ought to be like with Jesus, to fasten ourselves to him. Join yourself to him. This is, there's something in Jesus Christ to be grasped, but also something to be grasped hold of. So the grasped piece is what's going on in your head. That's the information piece, but the grabbed hold of is the implications piece. So if I could encourage you for anything, about anything today, would we... Consider the idea of what it means to, to receive Jesus as Lord. My encouragement, I would long to plead with you. I'd long to, long, long to encourage you. Stop pushing him away. To stop pushing him away. The, the encouragement of receiving him as Lord is to, to, gather him, is to gather yourself to him and lean into him and press into him. Stop pushing him away. Stop holding him at, arm, uh, stop holding him at arm's length. Encouragement here is to fasten yourself to the one who dealt with your fallenness. To fix yourself in the only one who can fix you because he is the only one who can fix you. So if you have received Jesus, if he is your Lord, there are, then there are some things for you to be chasing down and passionately pursuing. I wonder what is his Lordship leading to in your life? So what I'd like you to do this afternoon is I'd like you to think about, what is, about something. I'm gonna just come down here for a moment, okay? What I'd like you to encourage you to do when you go home from here, eventually, I don't know where you'll go via, but when you go home, when you, I'm, I'm going to try and avoid sitting one in the, one, on one of the lights because that would be uncomfortable. Um, when, you to go, when you go home, I'd like you to find a table to sit at. This is what, think what it means to, be, to call Jesus Lord of your life, not sitting at a table, it's more than that, okay? But you sit at a table and you lay everything, and, and basically say, Jesus, everything on, I want to put everything on the table for you. Everything I have, everything I am, everything I own, everything I do is on the table. And, and, I, and as you lay that stuff on the table to, to ask the question, how can I make much of Jesus with the stuff that's on the table? How can I make much of Jesus with everything that's in my life? How can, how can I express that he is Lord, he is highest and he is greatest and he is most in who I am and what I have and what I do? How can I do that? Find a table, ask the question, press into the Lord in response to those things. How can you make all that you are and all that you have and all that you do count for Jesus? Would you do that? Because that's the fundamental implication of having Jesus Christ as Lord. Everything on the table that belongs to him. You have officially, when you call him Lord, you have officially retired and resigned and rescinded your role as chief executive officer of your life. So Jesus is Lord, what are you going to do about it? Ultimately, that was the thought that pushed me into pastoral ministry 17 years ago. More, it provoked within me a question not dissimilar 11 years ago. What kind of church do I want to be part of? And I came after a season of great pain. I was pastor of a Baptist church and basically Move from that church because the leadership of the church wanted to have, wanted to move from having God's word as being central to what we did, did together as a church family. 
and to be more creative. I still didn't get to the bottom of what they meant by that. And so when I stepped out of that ministry, the question that was provoked is, what kind of church do I want to be part of? Not necessarily pastor of, but when I looked at my wife and we had two kids then, Doug said before first service we had 28 kids, that is not true. We had 29, no, I'm kidding, we've got four. Um, we had two kids back then. What kind of church do I want to be part of? What kind of church do I want my kids and my, and, and my wife to be part of? What kind of church do, what kind of follower of Jesus Christ do I want to be? What kind of church do I want to belong to? I knew, because it was what I'd always really wanted, even, and that was really what kind of, kind of caused the, the fallout in our previous church. What we wanted was a church that was passionately pursuing Jesus, reaching as many people as possible for Jesus, not settling. How often do we settle? Lord, protect us from settling when you call us to be setting setting my heart on you, setting my life in your word, setting my mind on things above, setting my life in holiness. If he is Lord, live it, and I want to be part of a church that reflects that and where we're all pulling and pressing and doing what we can to get there as the Lord helps us. But such as the sort of church comes by the sort of people, the sort of church comes by the sort of followers of Jesus who gather Sunday by Sunday what part, so what part in the church do you want to play? What part in the church do I want to play? So I brought some church family photos to show you and just want to kind of help you illustrate this a little bit. We, we long for a building like this. It's cold, by the way. Just, I know it looks pretty, but it's cold and expensive to heat, okay? We long for a building like this uh, to be filled with people like this, who are longing and living Colossians 2, 6, and 7 lives. That's a baptismal service. Our longing is to see that sense of celebration and joy as we remember that lives can be transformed by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Actually, that is our paddling. That's, that's, so that's our baptismal tank. Uh, we haven't got around to getting one yet. Uh, we like to have baptisms outside, um, although that prompted an interesting Facebook response from one of our neighbors, who basically tagged us in a Facebook post where they said, I don't know what to do. The church across the road from me are drowning adults in a large kid's paddling pool. <laughs> Should I call the police? <laughs> to which I responded, please don't know. But how cool that our neighbors saw it. And how cool that, you know, we started the church with 16 people. Now we've got 50 to 60 kids in our church. And some adults too, it's not just kids' church, right? Okay, we've got that. So thankful for that. that that's what we've, church family, you can see the smoke from the barbecue in the background. We ate together and we celebrated together what Jesus is doing. That's what, that was the kind of church we longed for. That's, 10 years ago, so we have our 10th birthday on August 16th this year. 10 years ago, that was the church we longed to see planted in Glasgow. And this, is, and this is what God has done. Because he's given us some other people alongside us who longed for the same thing. Would you be that? Here? 
long for the same things, to long to pursue, to passionately pursue Jesus, to reach as many people as possible for Jesus, to refuse to settle. Sort of church comes about by the sort of Jesus followers. So, well, well, that's great, but what's my part? Well, it, it tells us, it goes, so as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, so it says walk in him. Taking your direction and instruction from Jesus, having him as your chief companion and your life captain, that's really what that means. It's about making progress. It's step by step. And, and what it's not, no, no, what it says, it's not running. It's not running. And one of the big dangers we have as we look around and say, man, they're going further and faster than I am. That's not what it's about. It's not about you comparing your, the relative pace of your spiritual growth to the person sitting next to you. It's about you leaning in and asking Jesus to transform you in the way that only he can in the way that he wants. So it's not running. It's not a test of pace. I'm thankful for that. I play. I'm thankful for that. that and in this picture of walking is the idea of intentionally Intentionally moving forward, and with that includes a refusal to stand still. I'm not content to stand where I am, stay where I am. I want to keep on moving forward. It might be slowly. I might not feel as if I'm getting that, making massive progress, but I am making progress as the Lord is helping me. Maybe looking around and thinking, but you're like the super Christian. Well. You just don't see the struggles they have. That's the reality. You don't see the sin that they're wrestling with. And they don't see that for you. But the idea of being in church is we get to walk through that together and with the emphasis on walking. So it's moving forwards with Jesus Christ, your main focus. If we're living a life in worship of him as Lord and walking in him as he leads, then that's designed to provoke a deeper longing in our hearts. And that's what happened 10 years ago. So I've got a photo of our launch team. So there are so just, that's not, that, not all the people there are our launch team. The people who look like they know what they're doing are, and are a little bit older, they're from Harvest Juice in Northwest. The, the folks who look clueless, there are the rest of are the launch team, okay? Um, I, I, I like this photo because it reminds me of my wife, Alison, and my inability to look at a camera when a photo is being taken. <laughs> and seriously, it ruins the one, that's the only shot we have of our launch team for launch Sunday because we were so busy and there were so few of us to do the stuff. So well done on us for ruining the photograph. <laughs> well, I've spent a lifetime doing that, so perfected the art. That was 10 years ago in August. And as we come to, and it's something great about anniversaries and celebrations that cause you just to kind of reflect and to think. And the question that's really been on my mind and uh, the heart of our elders in Glasgow is 10 years on, what kind of church do we want to be? And what kind of churches do we want to see? So over the last little while, we've been mapping out with our, with our church membership that, that we want to be a, a sending and training church. And, and when we landed back, back in 2009, when, we, when I landed back from my tr church plant training, the vision was always to plant churches. And the, the idea was, the, 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 the thing that was on our heart was to plant six churches in the six main cities in Scotland. 
And, that's, and in some ways, that would still be our desire, but now it's much more, Lord, what would you do? As a church, we want to put everything on the table and just say, what would you do to make much of Jesus in our, in our nation and wider? So what we're saying is that we want to be invested in planting one church in Western Europe every five years, either by supporting or sending. I've got to tell you, that's a, can I call it a stupid vision? I'm going to call it a stupid vision. Because we don't have the capacity or the ability to do that. And what we're longing for is that, for something to be done that can only be explained by the fact that God did it. And with great confidence in that because that's the story of Harvest Glasgow. So we want to plant churches that are gripped more deeply by the work of the Son of God. We want to plant churches that are growing more real under the word of God. And we want to plant churches that are grateful for the grace of God. We want to be kind of thankful for the kind of churches that are, we want, to, we want to see churches that are a reflection of what we see in Colossians 2, 6 and 7. We want the church to be, the church we long to, see, we want our church to be, and, we, and the, we want to plant churches, the churches we long to see are those who are first of all gripped, they've got deep roots. They're rooted, look what it says, they're rooted in him. It's a great picture. It reminds us to dig down deep into Jesus. It reminds us that our life and our nourishment and the extent of our fruit and growth begins with how deep our roots grow. A tree will only grow tall if its roots grow deep. Now, the word rooted is interesting here because the way that it was used here describes something that is a past event with a present and persistent effect. It's the idea that being rooted is not time-limited, but actually is an expression, is a practical expression of what it means to have Jesus in a place of true lordship of our lives. So maybe uh, trying to think about how to map that out a little bit, maybe the way to think of it is as a seed. The, the, the seed is planted, but it doesn't just sit there. It, isn't, it doesn't remain there content to be a seed. Rather, it searches for nutrients and grows roots. Would that that would be all of us, not content to be a seed, but to search for nutrients and to grow roots that dig deep and take hold and bring life because we're rooted in Jesus. It's a great picture. It describes a God-given desire to be strengthened and established, to have ourselves fixed on something or better, someone. The idea is that our lives should show evidence of being totally grounded in the grace of God. And the goal of God's grace in your life is to cause you to long to dig deeper into Jesus. So look at your life right now. What is it, you're, what is it that you're giving most evidence of digging deep into? Someone was to conduct an audit of your life, where would they say your chief attention is fixed? If someone was to conduct a, an evaluation of your heart, what would they say your primary affection is? Is your life rooted in your career? Is your life rooted in your family? Is your life rooted in what people think or say about you? Is your life rooted in your health or in your circumstance? The thing you're dug deepest in is the thing you're most defined by in any present moment. Is that we receive life or death from the roots and what they're planted in. Jesus' design is to free you from your fragile securities and your phony soils. These things matter. They really do. 
when we are rooted in the wrong things, it throws into confusion the kind of church we want to be and the kind of churches we long to see. I think this quote from David Wells sums it up well. I think it's going to be on the screen for you. We now have less biblical fidelity, less interest in, less interest in the truth, less seriousness, less depth, and less capacity to speak the word of God in our own generation in a way that offers an alternative to what it already thinks. God protect us from being a kind of church that falls into that trap. That be true of may, may, may that protection be true of you, may it be true of us. That we that, that we that there would be something true of may 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 it never be so that there would, would be something true of us that would be that would refuse to challenge the culture or to speak into the culture in such a way as points people towards Jesus. So the instruction in Colossians 2 is clear. The most fruitful thing that you can give your life to is to deep is to dig deep into things to do with Jesus because they will ultimately and ultimately be the most forever things about us. So are you rooted in him? Have you trusted in his death and the cross in your place for your sins? Do you know what it means to have him as your Lord? The invitation is there for you to receive that at any time, to free you from your fragile securities and your phony soils, the things you're trusting which are disappointing and can never satisfy, to find satisfaction and fulfillment in him. Roots give stability, nourishment, and life. So being rooted in Jesus means finding strength in him, satisfaction in him, and sufficiency in him. I wonder as we sang that last song and talked about how he's holy and marvelous. Did you believe that? Is that true in your soul? Or was it just words that were on a screen? Was it information? Or were you aware of the implications about how the, what you're singing there and who, about who he is and the reality of who he is, how that can change your life? Roots give stability, nourishment, and life. Roots mean that Satan is going to struggle to move us or shift us from the life that God has called us to. Isn't that what we want? That the enemy would not have an ounce of victory over us? The picture here is of, so the picture of when we see rooted, the picture, see the picture of being rooted, the picture is of digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Do I need to say again? And deeper, somebody help me. And deeper into him. And you say, well, how deep? Well, here's some verses to help you. Psalm 145, verses two and three. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Digging deep in worship. And the sense here is of, and another thing, and another thing, and another thing. I know it sounds like somebody's complaining, but it's much more powerful when you are, are, are less using that another thing and another thing and another thing to, to, to recite to yourself and to remind yourself of how powerful and awesome and, and majestic and glorious and wonderful God is. I will, he, he is greatly to be praised. I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. That's, that's a long time. And we get to do it. Or how about this? Um, Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you ever really thought about it? Have you not heard? Has nobody ever told you about it? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does 
He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is, that word again, unsearchable. For for Psalm 145 is an encouragement to dig deep in worship. Here there's an encouragement to dig deep into trust of a God who will never fail and never falter in his care for you. Or Ephesians 3, verse 8, to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So here the encouragement is to dig deep in devotion. I just want to keep on knowing him more. What we need to remember is that when these verses tell us that the Lord is unsearchable, it doesn't mean you don't need to try. It means you never need to stop. There's always more and always more. That's why it's deeper and 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 deeper. It doesn't mean you don't need to try. You don't try. What's the point? It means you never need to stop. Here's the point. Everything. Or how about Job chapter 5, verses 8 and 9? And I know that Eliphaz and Job's comforters get bad press and so on, but there is this little jewel. And amongst them, and I understand that he starts off by saying, as for me, and it's like, check me out, I'm better than you, so I'm running, you're walking, okay? We don't want to buy into that too much, but listen to what he says. What an awesome verse to stick in your fridge. Refrigerator, do you call it fridge? Yeah, okay. Making sure nothing's lost in translation here. I know you're fighting really hard to understand me, and I appreciate that greatly. As for me, I would seek God. And to God would I commit my cause, who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. Does that describe you as a follower of Jesus Christ? It describes what it means to put out on the table everything you have and everything that you are and everything that you do. That's what digging, dig, deep digging, right-rooted, Christ-strengthened and satisfied life sounds like. And it's not just being gripped by who he is, but also growing and being surrendered to what he might do in you. So we can be gripped with deep roots, but the goal is always to be growing with real shoots. So we're not just rooted, but also built up in him and established. And the picture here is of keep building. Do you guys have Lego here? You've got Lego here. Everyone's got Lego here, right? I get that, okay. And um, you all have the scars on your feet to prove it, I guess. Okay, that's probably the reality. Well, our kids love Lego. Our youngest, Ben, in particular, loves Lego. And our house is not entirely filled, but close to it, of half-finished Lego projects. You familiar with that? Half-finished Lego projects. It's like, would you just finish it? We just keep building, just build something to completion. Don't half build it so bits are falling off and I'm standing on it. I'm not just, so it's not, not just my feet that are scarred, but also I'm emotionally scarred by it. <laughs> what does he say about standing on Lego? It's the, um, it's the only thing in the world that's more painful than childbirth. That's, <laughs> that's a really popular joke for a man to crack in a mixed room, right? <laughs> um, let's move on. Um, the picture is don't stop building. Okay, don't stop building. That present tense, right now, you get to build for Jesus. You right now are getting to build a monument of worship and celebration and praise with your whole life of what he's done in your life. And again, we might ask the question around the table, like, what is my life built upon and what am I building my life with or what am I building for? 
What am I holding back from Jesus that's not on the table right now? See, Jesus' story about the wise and foolish builder, if you're familiar with that, he told a story about a wise and foolish builder and, 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 and that he was clear the guy who built the fancy house with a nice car and the ocean view was building in sand and it led to ruin. But the guy who paid close attention to where his life was being built and what it was being life built for and was less consumed by the material aspect of life and more on the eternal aspect of life, he found a rock that would hold up, in his, hold up his life and whatever was thrown at it. Jesus told that parable to help us see that a life built upon him can never be broken. And one of the chief problems that we see as we look around the church in Scotland is that there are churches who talk about being biblically based, but the picture we see in God's word is not being biblically based, but about being Bible-based, but being Bible-built. The Bible should never just be a basis, it should be the brick-by-brick construction of our lives and of our churches. The temptation when you talk about being based on the Bible is it's like it becomes like one of those afternoon matinees on the Hallmark Channel based on a true story, which means it's not a true story. Um, I'm sorry if that ruins your afternoon viewings. The call here is to be Bible belt and belt. Bible belt's very much something from here not to build on top of it with our agenda and desires and demands. And our nation of Scotland is a warning story of what it looks like when you abandon building with the Bible. We've gone from being the land of the book to one that refuses to even give God a second look. Because the church abdicated responsibility, they abdicated the responsibility they had to rely absolutely on God's word. If that can happen to a nation, if it can, ha- it can happen to a church, and it can happen to our lives if we do not pay close attention and seek diligently to be built by the right things. We should note as well, and amongst all of that, what it says that we are built up in Jesus. If we have received him as Lord, we rely, rely upon him for life. We are built up in him by growing in belief and in belonging to and behaving like Jesus. He wants, you make, he wants to make you like him. Doesn't that sound like something that's worth giving your life to? Isn't he worthy and isn't he worth it? That's what we're investing in, that people would be built up and established in Jesus Christ. The church, the kind of church we want to be and the kind of church we want to see ought to be part, ought to be the sort that grow people in Jesus and help them to stand firm in Jesus. So in Scotland, we're longing to see real shoots that lead to a gospel reboot. That's what we're longing to see. They would be able to plant multiple other churches that would breathe spiritual, fresh spiritual life. They would play their part in breathing spre- fresh spiritual life into the nation we call home. And there would be a ripple effect in to the rest of our continent. Would that the Lord would do something like that even with someone as, as folks as small as, and as insignificant as we are so that God would be glorified. It's all in him. The walk, the building, the standing firm, none of this works unless we grasp that Jesus is utterly worthy, which makes it totally worth it. Built up and standing firm because your confidence in Jesus is leading you, leading to you growing in consistency and living for Jesus. And the sense here is across all of these pictures of being rooted and being built up and established, the picture here is of something unwavering. 
your trust in Jesus leading you to being less turned this way and that by life as you take your eyes off of Jesus, not gradually taking stuff back off of the table that you once put on the table. The things you've been taught, are to, the things you have been taught, <clears throat> it says here, are to be keeping on transforming your life. After all, why would you want to stop when God is using them to make you more like Jesus? Then the final aspect of this, gripped, growing, and grateful is the, th- grateful is the third one. Healthy fruit, that's what we're looking for. You know, we have so much to be thankful for. The first agenda item in our members' meetings after prayer is things we're thankful for. We pass a mic around and share what we're thankful for because we recognize our thankfulness as a, as a, as a, immunizes us or helps us against our tendency to complain or bicker. Because when you're thankful, it's hard to criticize, it's hard to complain, or harder, maybe. Thankfulness is what fills the tanks of faithfulness. Look at what God has done. Would that he would continue to work amongst us. Gratitude for grace is the ground in, upon which we battle things that grieve God. So the call to make progress, to dig deeper, to grow stronger, to stand firmer is fueled by a thankfulness to Jesus for all that he has done for you. Thanklessness is forgetfulness. is a lack of gratitude that springs from having lost sight of grace. And the encouragement here is, is to be abounding in thanksgiving. So the picture here is of you being someone who is like, I'm so excited about what Jesus has done in my life. He's just so awesome and he's transforming me and changing me. He's glorious and he's worthy and he's awesome and he came and he died on a cross for me and he's taken away my sin and he's promised me eternity and I'm so fired up about it. And would you like a drink? being so passionate in your pursuit of Jesus, everybody gets hit. That's the picture. Are you like that? Are you so abounding in thanksgiving that everybody in your life gets hit by the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ? You think about all that Jesus has done for you when you consider that he died on a cross for you, when you look at your sin and understand that he paid the price for it, when you see that it's all as a result of grace, when you have all of that clear in your heart, when you have all of that information lined up in your mind, are you going to live out the implications of that? Is there anything you would, is there anything you are withholding from him in your life? When you sit down at the table this afternoon and lay it all out, everything on the table, and ask the question, how can I make this count for Jesus? It's really to ask, what kind of follower of Jesus Christ do I want to be? What kind of church do I want to see? And it starts with someone like you being gripped by and growing in and grateful for Jesus. Something like you coming from standing at a distance to drawing close to him because he's worthy and he's worth it. You love him. Let me pray. Father, would you move in our hearts this morning to free us from our tendency to root our lives in things that are not just nothing to do with you, but actually work in opposition to you. Father, we pray that you would open our hands, help us to release the things which express that I am Lord rather than you are Lord. 
Help, us, help me to be a follower of Jesus Christ who is gripped by his goodness, growing in his likeness, and grateful for his kindness. Help me to live the kind of life that explodes into people's lives with an overwhelming thanksgiving, which causes others to see him more clearly. Help this church here, help our church in Glasgow, help us together in familyship to work for the great cause of making him known across the globe. And help it to be that we are not just the kind of church that we want to see, but that we would be the kind of church that you want to see. We pray these things in Jesus' name, who is kind, who is marvelous and holy. Help what we think, what we say, not to outrun what we long to do for you. May you be Lord over everything in our lives, we pray. Amen.